Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Bexley, a podcast focused on exploring and analyzing the many different aspects of life and culture in the city of Bexley. We do this through interviews, local community members, historians, and other experts, covering a wide range of topics that are important to people here in Bexley. For the next few episodes, we are breaking from our conventional format and doing shorter episodes addressing people who are stepping into positions of leadership or offering themselves for positions of leadership to help direct where our city is going and where our schools are going. Specifically, we'll be talking to candidates for city council and candidates for the Board of Education for the city schools. All right, in keeping with that, today I am here, Spencer Cahoon, your Bexley DEI and friendly Bexley neighbor. With me also are... Kerouac Smith, North Bexley podcaster. Stacy Grossman, also DEI member and community member. And Danny Hurley, candidate for city council. Exciting times with city council. We have an election coming up. So Danny, <laughs> as a new city council candidate, it strikes us that perhaps many people in the community don't really know you yet. So tell us just a little bit about yourself and about what interested you in running for city council and stepping out to serve the city in this way. Sure. Well, uh, you know, good evening. It's great to be with everyone. Again, Danny Hurley, my wife and I live at uh, on North Remington Road. We have two boys, Arlo and Hugo, both of whom are at the JCC. Uh, in addition to that, we have two dogs and two cats, so it's a very full house. In my professional life, I'm a lobbyist. I work downtown primarily doing state government affairs. So Okay, wait, we have to break in. So you're a lobbyist. Some people have feelings about lobbyists. <laughs> Perhaps you could tell us a little more about that and uh, what you lobby for. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, it's a term that doesn't always uh, get the warmest reception, but I, I take a lot of pride in what I do. My clients are a pretty diverse mix of charities, nonprofits, and some for-profit companies. The bulk of my work is really in the healthcare space. I do work with mm. everyone from the American Academy of Pediatrics and Akron Children's Hospital to the National Association of Social Workers, um, some patient advocacy groups. I've done work with the American Heart Association and March of Dimes in the past. Also, I have a lot of public sector clients. I've gotten to work with Franklin County Metro Parks, the Columbus Zoo, Cleveland Metro Parks, Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. Oh, nice. You know, Swaco has been a client off and on. So, so it's it's been a uh, you know, it, it's funny, when I started my career, I never thought of myself doing lobbying because I had maybe that same preconceived notion. And now that I've been doing it for more than a decade and, you know, I'm partnered a lobbying firm, I love it. I, I get to be a resource for my clients. I get to work with a bunch of different legislators on a bunch of different issues. By virtue of my clients, I think I probably tend to work on issues that are maybe more on the progressive side of the political spectrum. But, uh, you know, we get to do some really feel-good work, too. Uh, we work with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and, you know, getting to support groups like that just, it makes it worth it. Well, that's fantastic. So that seems like a really interesting background to come into a role like city council with. You have a lot of experience working with other groups, understanding different perspectives and forwarding that. So tell us a little bit about why you wanted to take that step into city council in Bexley in particular. Yeah, well, well, two reasons. The first is really professional. You know, I do have, uh, I think, a strong resume. You know, prior to lobbying, I worked in the Ohio General Assembly doing public finance, tax work, budget work. Before that, I spent a few years in the United States Senate uh, living in D.C., and so I think I do bring a really strong resume. You know, I have I've sat in many committee hearings as you have in your professional <laughs> life. Um, True. You know, helped write statute, helped write local ordinances, have done just tons of policy research in different areas. So have no problem sitting through those, you know, late night city council hearings and, and diving into the minutia of issues, whether it's things that are really headline grabbing, really contentious, or even I think most of what government does is frankly pretty boring to the average person. But to me, it's really fascinating. So reason one is, hey, you know, I have a lot I can bring to this professionally. Reason two, we, we moved here in 2018. My wife was born and raised here. She's a 
graduate of Bexley High School, but I, I didn't, you know, I had very little interaction with Bexley until we lived here. We wanted to start a family. You know, this was always the place we wanted to be. And in coming here and getting to know the community and really seeing a lot of the great things that are happening, a lot of the opportunities to do more, and a lot of the challenges I think we're, we're trying to reconcile in the community, I wanted to get involved. You know, I'm a parent. I want my kids to grow up in a community that's not just a beautiful community and a safe community, but a community that's welcome to all, that celebrates its diversity and that, and that shares those values. You know, I made a comment when I did my announcement. You know, I grew up in a part of the state just north of Dayton and, you know, what would be considered farm country where, you know, things like diversity and, and progressive ideas were not really celebrated. And that's not to say that people in that area aren't good people. It's just it's a different focus. And so for me, living in a community that has those values and that wants to work towards those goals, that's important for me as a parent. And so I want to do my part. Well, that's fantastic. So before we start uh, putting you under the, the gun or on the grill here, tell us what are a couple of the issues that you see in the community that you really see yourself as being able to have an impact on or to help influence in a positive way? Yeah. So the first area that I'm really passionate about is economic development uh, and not just along Main Street. Obviously, we have a lot of opportunities for growth there. Sure. I uh, would love to see more development along the North Cassidy Corridor, you know, more affordable housing. <laughs> Stacy's cheering us, in the us background. North Bexley sure people am. are very excited. <laughs> Same here. And, and, you know, whether that takes the, the, the shape of commercial developments or affordable housing, just really being part of, of helping the city grow in, in really thoughtful ways. You know, professionally, I've done some consulting work for developers. I've helped secure tax credits and done incentive packages. So I, I think I understand the complexities of building, say, something like what, what Frank Cass is proposing at the Trinity site. And mm-hmm. I think I could be a good partner on city council. The second area is really continuing the work on diversity, equity, inclusion. And I want to be very, you know, or acknowledge the great work that people at this table have done on that front. But, you know, I want to do my part. I want to bring my skill set to bear on it. But I want to follow the lead of others, contribute where I can, lead where I can, but really just help bring some energy and, and, and drive those ideas forward. That's a great opening salvo. So let, let's build on that. You mentioned developments and affordable mm-hmm. housing. And obviously, there's a big housing project proposed over at the Trinity site. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you see as some of the opportunities for affordable housing and other housing projects and development around the community. Obviously, and, you know, Mm -hmm. as a background, Bexley, we all know is landlocked. Mm -hmm. We have limited space available. So there's not that many opportunities for projects in some ways. But in other ways, there are more than you might think. Yeah. Well, as it relates to affordable housing, you know, we have the two projects planned, one on Livingston, one on North Cassidy. I'm supportive of those. I know they're at sort of varying stages of zoning and litigation. So we'll, we'll see uh, what happens there. You know, on affordable housing, um, the things I really care about are first, I want to make sure we're working with good developers. I know you had, is it Jeff Beam from the Community Builders on before? The same. That's a great organization. I've not worked with them personally, but their reputation is outstanding. So that's a big thing for me is making sure the developers we work with, whether it's a major commercial development like Trinity or an affordable housing project, are going to be, they're going to be committed to the community. They're going to build a good project and, and they're going to take care of their tenants. I think TCB will do that. Secondly, is making sure we address those various safety and infrastructure concerns that are out there. You know, I sat through the three-hour BZAP hearing on the Trinity site, which I thought that was a great hearing that they were doing, you know, in a preliminary fashion. It was a very um, long one, though. You yeah. are not wrong to say it was three hours, mm-hmm. three hours plus. Sometimes those hearings are only 20 minutes, so this was much longer than normal. Which, by state house standards, is actually not that long, and the chair is <laughs> infinitely more comfortable than oh, the wood chairs of the state house. 
you know, but but I think again, you know, that people are concerned about traffic ingress and egress. They're concerned about parking. Mm-hmm. We need to have a comprehensive plan and really just do our diligence. You know, those are never going to be reasons for me not to take on a development or support a development. Mm-hmm. But it really speaks to the diligence. Some questions have been raised around safety for the residents at the Livingston site. Again, I want to make mm-hmm. sure we're doing our diligence uh, that we let, whether it's the city council, BZAP, architecture review, or other bodies do that work and trust in the process. As it relates to the commercial development, I know affordable housing uh, has been talked about, um, but it's actually not, as I recall, currently part of the plan. You know, would love to keep those conversations going. I know that is something that has been brought to the developer. You know, the state just recently passed the new affordable housing tax credit in the budget, House Bill 33. That might change Mm -hmm. the economics for that. I would love to look at other ways to either incentivize or to subsidize that project so that we can have affordable housing. I think there are very there are many different ways to bring affordable housing into a development like that. You know, one thing I know this that, that Jeff brought up in, in your in the podcast he did with you is, you know, we do offer property tax abatements for affordable housing developments, but my understanding from the BZAP hearing is continental real estate will not be pursuing a property tax abatement, which says, you know, that's not enough of an incentive. So again, mm-hmm. how do we make the economics work? With all these real estate issues, we're always sort of doing battle with the market. And how do we really create those opportunities? That's true. This is a bit of a stranger question, but fast forward a couple of years and you've won the seat mm-hmm. and you're looking back on your first term. What metrics would you use to decide if it was successful? Like what would you see as a successful term? You know, I think there's there's a quantitative and a qualitative piece to that. Quantitatively, I'd love to see all the commercial property here on Main Street taken up and actually have new businesses in. Love to see a new development at Trinity. Love to see some more growth around Cassidy. So I think those are some of the things I would, you know, at least going back to the development question, I would prioritize. But I also think there is a sort of qualitative or not really a, a metric uh, type of answer. You know, for example, on the issues around diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, my metric for that is not going to be some type of data point. It's really going to be, for example, we look at issues around racial justice. Does the black community here feel like we've tackled those issues? You know, the, the comparison I've, I've been using when I talk to people is uh, a lot of times we're trying to predict how presidents will do in their reelection. And we use economic data. Oh, unemployment's down. That's great. One of the most accurate predictors of presidential elections is right track, wrong track polling, which is not a quantitative poll. It's a, hey, prospective voter, do you think you're on the right track or wrong track? That's kind of the metric I want to use on a lot of issues is, you know, especially going to these different minority groups and saying, listen, are we on the right track? That's ultimately the the bigger metric um, is going to be, do people feel like in the past four years, we've been able to move the needle? We're dealing with a lot of challenges in our community that are not going to be fixed in a two or four year cycle. And they're probably not going to be, you know, they're not issues that have a logical finish line. They're issues that are going to evolve and we have to keep taking them on. So yeah, you know, there are plenty of metrics, you know, I can look at my agenda. Like one of my ideas is, uh, I'd love to beautify our bus stops. I think, you know, I've seen people waiting for the bus and it's pouring down rain and there's no cover. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want some ugly plastic thing like we have downtown, but I'd love to see, you know, little, a mini park where our bus stops are. So there's a quantitative thing where four years from now, I hope that all of our bus stops look pretty. That's something I'd like to take on. But yeah, I think there's a, you know, the thing that's going to matter most to me is how people are feeling about the community. Are we on the right track? Are we addressing some of these really core issues? And I hope I get to look back and be proud of that. I mean, the correct answer was a bibby bop in town, but <laughs> uh, but that I, was a better answer. A play, a play cafe. Like that. Yes, a play cafe and a craft brewery are the two I think I hear most about. So yes. we'll see. <laughs> so DEI work covers a lot of ground. Yep. And you had mentioned that there were some challenges that you were interested in trying to tackle. Should mm-hmm. you 
win the vote and mm-hmm. get onto council. What were the challenges that you're talking about and what are ideas that you have to move forward with that? Where to begin? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I don't know if I'd call this a challenge, but I see a lot of opportunity with One Bexley. Um, I know you, another subject of your podcast, you know, a lot of people look at One Bexley and they sort of see the, the ambiguity of it as, you know, a defect. I, I think One Bexley has a lot of potential and I like the idea that it's very open-ended. It can be very organic and grow to what we need. Some of the, I guess, items I'd like to see come out of the work of One Bexley continue to be present at communities, continuing to to drive that message. I think it was talked about, you know, I'm, I'm a listener of your podcast, so I'm going to, you know. <laughs> Thank so you. I, um, but, you know, it was talked about, uh, you know, even having more community forums and, and guest speakers come in and talk about those issues. I think that's great. Something I'd like to see One Bexley take on, and this is, you know, maybe a challenge is, you know, when we talk about D, I think we oftentimes take a community-wide view of, okay, how do we do something, you know, grandiose for all of the city? I'd like to see some resources for what we can do as individuals, you know, in our day-to-day. You know, there are a, a thousand little ways that we can help, you know, whether it's celebrate our diversity, make people feel more welcome here, speak out or address inequity. And I, I'd like to see that. I guess in terms of a big challenge I see for Bexley, I think a lot of it is just there's still that perception. I had a conversation with Brian Drury uh, from the Chamber of Commerce, and I, and I have this idea, um, going back to you know recruiting businesses, I'd like to create a grant program for minority and women-owned businesses. Um, historically, those business owners have faced issues with access to capital and, and procuring real estate, and I just think if we if we try to bridge those barriers and maybe even create an incentive, we can get more black business owners to look at Bexley. I mentioned this to Brian, expecting, oh, you know, Bexley Chamber of Commerce would like that. That's more members. And Brian said, hey, I've had those conversations with black business owners, and you know, they're interested in coming to Bexley, but they're concerned that their customers or clients won't want to come to Bexley. And that's kind of stuck with me. Like, hmm. that, that's that perception issue. And I, I think there's a lot we can do to promote what's happening in Bexley, whether it's the different festivals we're doing, whether it's the changes at the police department. But yeah, I think probably the biggest challenge is that perception. And, um, and yeah, I, that one really uh, surprised me that people wouldn't want to come to their preferred location for a business because it's in Bexley. You know, I think it's a great community. Hmm. I, I I think it's vibrant, and I, I think we've done a lot really to to drive that DEI mission. And so, yeah, I think promoting it and continuing those conversations is really important. I think that's great. And, and everyone here, I would say, agrees that Bexley is a great community that has the potential to get even better than it is yeah. now. All of us have chosen to remain here, and at mm-hmm. some point all of us chose to come here or stay here. So I think we we share that spirit. But as you said, there are a lot of challenges, and that's always something that's coming and changing. One thing that we've been talking about in the background as a community for quite a while now is the Ferndale-Mayfield area Mm -hmm. and how a lot of the sites that have multifamily housing were previously landfill sites and there's environmental contamination in the soil and the private owners of that space don't really want to do the expensive Mm -hmm. and frankly relatively difficult remediation work necessary to make that safe for the people who are living over here. Now, that's a challenge that we've been dealing with for quite Mm -hmm. a few years right now. So to be fair, I am putting you on the spot here, and it is something we have not solved over the time we have so far. Mm -hmm. But what do you see as the future for problems like that, that we've identified, that we've been working on, but we've just had problems getting traction with? That's a good question. And and, and Ferndale Mayfield is a a, a huge challenge, and if we can get it sorted out, a huge opportunity for development in the future, for more single-family homes, for more affordable housing. I know the city has, in recent uh, years, changed some of their... um, uh, nuisance property laws to allow them to maybe do more in that space. You know, I'm not an attorney, but I know in some instances, eminent domain can come into play. Yeah, I actually am an attorney and mm-hmm. that's a good call out. I think people 
often overlook the little things that small changes in law can do to allow certain things to happen, to allow the city to actually do things that private landlords might not be willing to do. So that that's a good call out there for something that we've been doing in the background to make changes that most people probably haven't heard about. This is tangential, but that, that issue of, you know, property owners not wanting to work with uh, the city or work with community groups. I mean, that's that's an issue. I mean, there are several properties along Main Street where that is an issue. That's true. Um, certainly the environmental issues and at Ferndale Mayfield, I think, merit a lot of attention. I want to explore it more and see what we can do uh, as a city. Um, you know, again, eminent domain remains a potential, but I think it's an opportunity mm-hmm. and um, we're going to stay focused on it. So let me circle back to what we were talking about for a minute ago with metrics. I really enjoyed that conversation and your response to that. But I think one of the most difficult things when you're talking about, well, I'd want the city to be polling this way, is that we don't do regular polling or regular surveying in the city. So it's difficult to figure out those data points. How do you see as ways that we could improve or make that more available so that the city is responsive to what the people in the community are asking for and what their opinions are? Well, I, you know, I don't know if I was suggesting we do actual right track, wrong track polling, but I think we have, and this can maybe be something for one Bexley, hmm. where you have these different groups that that are working in various facets of the community. You have, obviously, Bexley DEI, that's your organization, um, you know, Bexley Monitor to Parents Alliance, you have groups working with the schools and other, and uh, sure. Equitable Policing Coalition, is maybe there is sort of a, not a formal survey, but just a chance to check in with those groups. You know, I'd love to see one Bexley take that on. I mean... I just know from my own anecdotal experience, you know, reach meeting with community leaders and just asking those questions of how are you feeling? I mean, you get a good sense. I know Chief Lewis and the mayor, they're, they're meeting with those community groups often. And so I think we, we can get a good handle on how people are feeling without a formal survey. And yeah, I, I just think that that is a great way to gauge how we're doing and frankly, an appropriate way. But yeah, I didn't want to call out a formal survey, but I do think just taking the temperature of those groups and their leadership... And saying, hey, you know, how are we doing? Are we are we on the right track? I'm a data guy. I will never yeah. be upset when somebody <laughs> says it's time for a survey. I'm like, woohoo, but I'm probably the exception. I accept that. Just to follow up with that, so mm-hmm. if you do get onto council, is that something that you think that you might spearhead? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know to what extent some of the different minority parent groups are invited to come to the city, but I would actually love to have an annual state of the community type address. We do have an annual state of the community type address. Oh no! <laughs> well, is it? But is, are we talking about the state of the city with the mayor? I'm I'm saying more of having community ah, groups come in okay. and tell council because you know, it, it, look, you know, it, 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 members of council, we're, we're all going to be out in the community. You know, I fully intend on holding office hours and going to various community meetings because I, I I just love that stuff. But I think creating that feedback loop for our elected officials is important. No, I think that's interesting. I was giving you a hard time there, <laughs> but that that's a great response because you're right. Right now we hear from our community leaders what has been happening and mm-hmm. what's planned. But having something specifically to bring in the voices from yeah. various community members and various organizations and hearing from them mm-hmm. what they're seeing and what they want planned that's very different than what we do right now. So I, I really like that idea. And what it does, at least in my opinion, what it sounds like is you're giving everybody a seat at that table. Yeah, absolutely. I'll crib off Spencer from our last interview and ask what are one or two things that we haven't covered oh. that you that you want potential voters to know here? Yeah, so one or two things. So the first would be um, four years ago, you had a city council race. I think there were eight candidates running for four seats. And, you know, I... Paid attention to that race, met all the candidates, all great people. Um, And I'm sure they had lots of good ideas and, you know, policy platforms and things they wanted to tackle. 
I'm sure none of those policy ideas were things like tackle a global pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, True. one of the things I, I would just impress on people is, is with my background, I, I have worked in and around government. I have dealt with crises, whether it would be COVID or other issues. There inevitably are going to be things that come up in the next four years we don't anticipate, that we don't have on the bingo card. And I do think I'm well positioned to adapt to those challenges. I think I have a strong resume for that. So, you know, the ability to react to the things we can't anticipate and the, ca- the crises that we don't know about, but are inevitably will happen because that's just the nature of governance. The second thing is, is probably less a policy point and more of a, you know, I guess I call it a cheesy campaign promise. Some, <laughs> you know, I fully intend on holding office hours and attending community events and being very visible. You know, I know that's something, uh, you know, Sam Marcelino, for example, has, has really pioneered on council. And so um, just more of a promise, you will see me out and you will have the chance to speak with me. Since I started this journey, every conversation I've had, whether it's a, a formal coffee with a, a fellow elected official or candidate, pick up and drop off at the JCC or birthday parties, every time I get a chance to talk to someone, I walk away from that that conversation learning something. Full disclosure, you know, I've had coffee with Stacy and walked away from that simple 30 minute interaction. First, I got to meet your lovely daughter, which was great. Thank you. But, you know, walked away knowing more. And so for me, you know, I love to get out and speak with you because it's it's a chance for me to learn. I, I am always in learning mode. And so that is something, you know, I want people to know is that uh, if you have an idea or you have a concern or you just want to hear what I think, you'll you'll see me around. You'll have that chance. And, and I hope we get to dialogue. Great. All right, community, you heard it here first. Danny Hurley is open for business. If you have a concern or something you want to bring up, his cell number is. (laughs) If you've got a raccoon uh, dead in your yard, you can call him now instead of Ben Kessler. Okay. Although Ben comes out, Ben has bailed water for people with flooded basements. You know, when when we first moved here, we had a skunk in our backyard, and I asked my wife if I was allowed to catch it myself because there there is a a very humane way to catch skunks, and and she said no, we're not going to do that. So there's probably wisdom. I, I, I still, you know, while, while I, I consider myself a big city guy, you know, I grew up in the country and I still know a few tricks. Okay. For example, skunk trapping. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. Should that become the next crisis that comes up for Bexley? You're definitely the guy for it because skunk trapping is certainly not in my uh, wheelhouse. <laughs> mine, mine either. So for everyone who joined us today, myself, Spencer Cahoon, Stacy Grossman, Kerouac Smith, Danny Hurley, thank you so much. Thank you to the Bexley Public Library for hosting our recording session. Thank you so much to the members of the Bexley community for listening to our podcast. And remember, you can listen to us anywhere you get your fine podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you like, we're around. And the name of the podcast is... Unpacking Bexley. Bexley.